listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. You're listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. My name is Scott Love, and this is episode 162. Thanks for joining me on this journey. I'm committed to bringing people that give you ideas that result in more sales and more client development opportunities. And I think we've got somebody that can help you get more interest from people when you're negotiating with them. Our guest today is Brian Will. Now, Brian is a premier speaker, a best-selling author twice, and he's written several books. And today we're talking about the topic of his most recent one, which is called No, The Psychology of Sales and Negotiation. And that's what we're talking about also today. Make sure you listen to this show and pay close attention to it. And sometimes there are some episodes where I think that it's probably worth it to hear it again because you might miss something. There's a lot of content in this particular episode, and I hope you get some great ideas from my conversation with Brian today. Make sure you check out his links, order his book on Amazon. I put the link on the show notes. I highly recommend that. And connect with Brian also on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. As always, this show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions, Legal Intelligence, Suite of Products, Firmscape, and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. Now here's my conversation with Brian Will. Hey, this is Scott Love with the Rainmaking Podcast. Our guest today is Brian Will, and our topic is the psychology of sales and negotiation. Brian, thanks for being on the show today. Scott, I'm excited to be here, man. The Rainmaking Podcast, this is awesome. Absolutely right. It's all about making it rain. And so tell me this. I mean, the title of your book, No, The Psychology of Sales and Negotiation, that's interesting to me. When you wrote this, what was going on in your mind? What was your goal in writing this book in terms of problems you wanted to help people solve in terms of getting business? You know, I've done sales training for large organizations for the past 20 years, trained uh, sales teams anywhere from five to 100 people. And one of the things that we recognize in the sales process is that sales is about the psychology of the way the person that is thinking who's on the other end of the sales process. Right? Yeah, right, right. You have the salesperson, you have the customer. Mm-hmm. As a salesperson, if you can understand what the customer is thinking, what their human nature is, their natural reactions, how they're going to react to you, what their objections are, if you can understand the psychology behind what they're thinking, then you can build sales processes to overcome any objections you're going to get in that sales process before the client actually has them. Yeah, So if right. you can overcome an objection before the client has it, your chances of closing that sale go up a thousand percent. And it's all so about let, the psychology. So let's kind of dig into that. How do we get into our prospects' heads? How can we find out, how can we become mind readers? Uh, just like that movie, What Women Want, that Mel Gibson was in. I'll never forget that. He's sure. in the meeting and he's hearing what the client's prospects are thinking in the meeting and he knows how to make that pitch. What if we could do that? Help us, Brian, help us figure that out. <laughs> how Listen, can we do and- that? I don't care what you're selling. And I've sold everything from individual insurance policies up to multi-million dollar software packages. And here's the deal. Every sales process generally, no matter what your product is, has the same, we'll call it four to five to six objections. Every time you sell your product or your service, you're getting the same objections. And whether they're price or timing or whatever it is, we know what those objections are. If you've sold this for any period of time, you know what those objections are going to be. And so if we know what they're going to be, And we need to build a sales process around those known objections Mm -hmm. so that we can address and overcome them before the client can bring them up to you, before we get to the end of the sales process. I tell people all the time, if you're overcoming objections at the end of your sales process, you've already lost the client. 
Yeah, that's right. You need to have built a process around it. And that starts with what we call the very first objection, which is the biggest hindrance to people closing. And if they don't understand the very first objection, their chances of closing go down significantly. In the presentation or the dialogue where we're talking about our service, our offering, we're finding out about what their problems are and how our offering can be a solution. And they give us an objection. Is that really the one that we have to tackle the most then? If we can solve that, then we're home free. Is that what you're saying? Let's start with the first objection. This is in every product, every service, every salesperson. And by the way, when we talk about sales, remember the person on the other end of the sales process is just a person. And I don't care if you're standing at IBM or at Alston Bird or whatever, you're still talking to a person. And that person has the same human nature, the same psychology as any other person out there, right? So don't get overwhelmed with the fact that it's a big company or it's something that you think is astronomically huge. You're still talking to a person, okay? And we know that the first objection every person has is they generally don't like nor do they trust salespeople. Yeah, right, right. This is the first objection, right? Mm -hmm. Because people are afraid of salespeople. They're afraid of being sold a product that they don't want, product that doesn't work, product that doesn't do what it says it's going to do, or a product that's overpriced. They're afraid of being sold. And they're afraid of the unknown in the sales process. Because people think salespeople have some magic voodoo that they're going to use on you to make you do something you don't want to do, right? Mm -hmm. So if they're afraid of being sold, and they're afraid of the unknown, we know this is the very first objection, then the first time they lay eyes on you, the first time you open your mouth, a wall of mistrust is between you and that client. That's right. That's kind of an an assumed, an assumption, right? And if we know that wall of mistrust is there, then your job as a salesperson, before you ever pitch your product or try to convince them something, is to try to get that wall of mistrust down. Mm -hmm. And that wall of mistrust is based on a fear of being sold and a fear of the unknown. So how do we we do that? How do we do that? Well, so typically I would say something like this. I would say, listen, Scott, I know you're interested in my product, but in order for me to move forward, I got to do a couple of things. And if you'll bear with me a second, the first thing I need to do is I'm going to have to ask you a whole bunch of questions. Okay, so just understand, we're just going to start asking you questions. And the point of asking you these questions is I need to figure out if what I'm selling will solve your problem. Mm -hmm. If what I have will fix what you need. And if we make that determination, then we'll move to the next step. And the next step is I'll start going over options and pricing. And then once we get through that, we'll make a determination of whether this fits with what you're looking for. If it's in the price range you need, and I'll let you decide if we're going to move forward. Mm -hmm. Now, is that fair enough? That's a good way to bring it forward. What if people give you an objection to that itself? Have you seen that happen? Like, well, I'm just not going to buy. We don't need to do this. How would you handle something like that? Well, it depends on how that lead came about, right? Did they call me or did I call them? Well, this was an inbound or an outbound. Did they send me a a referral lead? Did they respond to my website? That question clearly depends on how I came into contact with this client. Okay. So let me ask you this then. For those people that are trying to find out what are the normal types of objections, What have you done with organizations to really get that data? Do you survey their clients? Do you reach out to their customers? What have you done to kind of find out what what their objections are going to be? So we literally just talk to the sales force. We put them in a room. Give me your top folks, put them in a room. What are the objections you get all the time, right? What are the four top objections? Let's write them all down. Let's say, okay, these are the ones we're going to get almost 80% of the time. This is what we're going to deal with. And now let's figure out how to deal with them. Let's build a process around it, right? And I call this the three whys and a win. Right. So if we're going into the sales process, I want to know why this person is shopping. That's number one. Why they should buy your product and not your your uh, competition's product. Number three, why should they buy it from you personally? What is it about your product that is better than the competition? What is it about you 
that makes them want to buy from you. So if I know why they're shopping, why your product, and why you, and the last one is I need to know when they're actually looking to purchase that product. If I can find out those three whys and a when, then I again start to overcome the objections. Like the objection is I'm not ready. Well, you just told me earlier that you need to get this done by September 1st. Well, I'm not sure I'm really looking right now. You told me this was your problem. And you also told me, by the way, we build this whole sales process, that my product or service is going to solve that problem. So that's an objection they're not going to be able to have with you because we've already overcome it during the fact-finding phase of the process. So I like this. Let me go over this again. The top three whys and a when. Why are they shopping? Uh, Why they should buy your product and not your competition's product? Why should they buy from you personally? And when are they looking to purchase? So I'd say like number two and number three, those are things that people should train their people on really how to understand and how to articulate that in conversations. What do you think about that? So we, we do is we build what we call specific and general scripting in the sales process. Okay, specific. The beginning of the sales process is specific, right? I'm going to repeat. I need to ask you a bunch of questions. I'm going to go over your options. If we determine that my product can fit what you're looking for, I'll give you your options, your pricing, and then I'm going to let you decide, is that fair enough? That's a specific script we build based on your product or service you're selling. Mm-hmm. So that is an exact thing that you say every time. After that, based on your product or service and what it is, we start building in generalized questions, right? These mm-hmm. are the questions we're going to ask. And those questions are based on the objections, right? Why are you shopping for this product? Have you shopped anyplace else? Have you talked to the competition? Oh, you talked to XYZ? I mean, they're a good company. They have a good product. Why didn't you buy that? Right. Right. I, I never trash my competition. They're a good yeah, company. Why, right? didn't you, why didn't you buy that? And people will tell you why they didn't buy it. And by the way, you're now overcoming an objection yeah. later on because I've already told you why they didn't buy the last one. That's okay. Great. So- Based on what you're telling me, and by the way, I never ask people a budget ever, 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 ever. It's a terrible question, right? I always use a car example. Have you ever been to a car lot and bought a car and the guy said, what's your budget? Did you lie? Yeah. Of course you did. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, of course you did. You (laughs) lied low. So why would I ask you that question if I know you're going to lie to me? That's right. So I would say, listen, based on what you're looking for, I have a range of products that might go from $5,000 to $20,000. $5,000 is my very bottom low end, not a lot of benefits. $20,000 is my Neiman Marcus. Where do you think you fit within my range? And what I'm doing is I'm anchoring the bottom, setting the top, and allowing them to pick where they want to be as opposed to lying to me and telling me I can only afford 500 bucks. Okay, good. This is good. So now you're getting some range for negotiation. You're kind of setting up a future conversation. And I set where the range. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't ask you what your budget is. I don't ask you what you're going to spend. Here's my range. Very basic five, top end 15. Oh, where do you, good. Where good. would you like me to start? Yeah. So I don't want to explain every single thing I have on every mm-hmm. single product at every single price range. Tell me where you're at, and that's where we'll start focusing. We can always move up or down based on what you know that particular price offers. And that takes the pressure like off. Start? That takes the pressure off too, and it makes it all about them and what they want. They think that they're picking. That's the point. I'm going to let you decide. You get to decide if what I'm telling you will work for you. You get to decide if my price is in range. You get to decide what you're going to pay. Now I'm guiding them where I want them to go. They're getting to decide every step along the way. That's great. Again, we're we're overcoming this objection later. Well, I can't afford that. Well, you told me that you were looking in the 10,000 range. I can afford four. I don't have anything at four. We've already established that. I'm five to 15. And if they don't have the budget, they're not qualified to buy your product anyways. Here's yeah. the deal, Scott. You're not going to sell every customer. Yeah. You're never going to have a 100% close rate unless you know, you're selling air and you're the only one that's got it. So, <laughs> right. If we know that you're not going to sell every customer by setting these parameters, by setting price ranges, by doing what we're doing, 
We're going to weed out people that can't afford your product and are going to waste your time. Why do you want to spend 30 minutes or an hour or six weeks or whatever your sales cycle is on somebody if they were never really a prospect anyway? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this question, Brian. I like the fact that we're starting this conversation with our prospect with questions. Mm-hmm. And it gives us information. Do we go to the left or do we go to the right? It gives us criteria that we're going to talk about when we present what we're selling. How do you think someone can become better at asking questions? How can they become really good at this? Yeah. So again, we go, we use sales training, you need coaching, and it is literally about getting up in front of a crowd and practicing. That's what it's all about. When we do sales training, I pull everybody up, they get to get on the hot seat. And they get to start going through this while everybody's watching. Because if you can do, if you can practice these things on a hot seat in front of a crowd of your peers, then when you get on the phone or you get out in the field, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, this is great. Just like any other sport, right? Yeah, absolutely. Put them on the hot seat, let them practice. Yeah, or a musical instrument. Practice, practice, practice in front of your peers. If you've said it enough times, if you've done it enough times, it's natural. So he doesn't try to figure out how to throw a pass every time he throws it. (laughs) That's right. A thousand times. So what are some other big rocks in the bucket, so to speak, in terms of psychology of sales negotiation? I like this where we get that wall of mistrust. We try to bring it down. We plan before we have that meeting in terms of anticipating what their issues and their objections are going to be. And I like the three whys and a win. I think that's some really good structure that we can use. What are some other major areas that we should focus on in terms of psychology and sales negotiation? Sure. Here's a huge one. So we call this active listening and connective response. So have you ever talked to a salesperson and they're talking and you say something and I don't care how outlandish what you say is, Mm -hmm. they completely ignore what you said and they keep right on talking. They're not actively listening to you and they're not giving a connective response. We know that the best salespeople in the world listen to what you're saying and respond connectively. In other words, you told me you were up in the Midwest and I said, great, I got a buddy who was up there who ran a law firm who hired lawyers in the divorce field and they, you know, went out and provided leads for them. I made a little connection with you there in the legal Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. field. You said to me, hey, you're in Atlanta. Do you know this person, this person, this person? These are active listening and connective response. Okay, good. So I passed the test. That's excellent. (laughs) And and, and literally when I put people in the hot seat, they'll say, well, tell me about your service. And I'll say, well, I will. Give me a second. I've got someone on the phone trying to sell me a fire engine. And they'll be like, okay, great. Well, when you get a chance, let me know. I'll be like, did you hear what I just said? (laughs) You make something up just to see how they'll react to it. You know, they got to get them out of mentally reading a script and into listening to what we're saying, right? Yeah. I used to sell insurance years and years ago, and we have to ask people questions. And I would say, you know, how old are you? I'm 48. How old's your wife? I'm, she's 40. I say, you have any kids? Yeah, I got two. How old are they? They're 12 and five. Do either one of them smoke? Maybe like, what? <laughs> right? I'm getting, I'm knocking them backwards. Like, what? What? Like, I'm just kidding. Right? So you, again, it's active listening and because we know if you're going to be successful in sales, you have to make a connection and the easiest way to connection, to make a connection with somebody is to get them to laugh. Right. And so if you're connective responses and then you throw silly things out or whatever, just say funny things like that. People will connect with you. They'll start to laugh with you and then they'll start to like you, trust you yeah. and the process I, just goes. I agree with you hundred percent. And I found when I'm making first contact with partners of big law firms to talk about something very personal to them, which is their career. I had to earn that trust. And I found that there is this wall that I have to bring down. I have to earn it. And one thing I can do that is through emotion. When I say something that's professional and it's funny, it's not silly. It's not stupid. It's not insulting. It's not offensive, but it's, that's kind of funny. 
there's an emotional mm-hmm. reaction. Now we have an emotional context to our relationship, yes. which the psychology of that. Absolutely. Yes. That's and, the connection. Yeah. And it's interesting how I remember someone said, I don't know you and I've never heard of you. And I told him, I said, that doesn't have any bearing on how good I am at how I could help you. And I said something else that was kind of funny and the wall came down instantly. Yes. And now I've, I've got, I wouldn't say I've earned his trust, but I've got a window to earn that trust. He's letting me proceed forward in our dialogue where I'm going to ask questions that are focused on what his goals are, his challenges. And then I've earned the right to make that presentation. So I, I think the concepts that you have, and I can't wait to read your book, by the way, Brian, I can't wait to read that because I think what you're saying is absolutely truthful for any sort of industry. And when people have to get people to make a decision to buy their yeah. services, whether it's legal services, recruiting services, or any sort of sophisticated service or product. And so, so tell me this with organizations that you've worked with, tell me a story of an organization you worked with where they weren't doing any of this, but you worked with them and then you saw a change. What is it that you think was the big inflection point for them where they really were able to move the ball forward, so to speak? So there, I'll give you two examples. The first one is I was training an organization up in Milwaukee and they had a call center and they were selling, they were selling insurance in this call center. And what we found was that most of the sales force wasn't being trained in any of this. And all they were doing was reading. They were reading a script. They were reading benefits. Too many salespeople think if I just read the benefits yeah. of what I'm providing, people will make a decision to buy. And maybe they will. Probably they won't. You're certainly not going to close as much as you need to in order for you to be profitable to the organization. So we literally take simple things and we teach them simple techniques on how to make those connections and the better way to say things and the better way to present it. You see close rates go up as much as 100%. So really, it's just getting in and teaching basics. Let's go to a high ticket item, right? I'll give you an example. And this is an organization that that had bought one of my companies. I've sold a couple of companies in venture capital and one into private equity. Mm-hmm. My company gets acquired. I go to work for this company and we're selling technology, software packages. They're like $2 million software packages. And they had sent a team out to California to sell a software package. It was an enrollment platform. And uh, the first day they did their presentation, the CTO of the company calls me and he says, Brian, I need you to be on a plane and you get out here immediately for tomorrow's presentation. And I said, okay. So I jump on a plane, I go out there and I said, what happened? And he said, well, our head of development and our head of sales are up there just reading the script. They're up there just telling the benefits of this platform. And they're not, everybody in the audience was like a table of eight people. They're just sitting there with their arms folded. They're not paying attention because it's just another sales team coming in to try to sell them some BS software for millions of dollars. And we need you to jump in here and and help out. So I remember I walked in the room that day and literally like facing a gauntlet, big table, eight people crossing their arms, you know looking like, who the hell is this new guy? And what's he going to tell us? And why are we even here? This is a waste of our time. And I got a team from our company sitting off to the right of me. And there's a PowerPoint presentation behind my head on the wall, right? And they expected me to just go back into the PowerPoint and read this PowerPoint to them, which is what a lot of salespeople do. And I looked at the room. I looked at the people at the table. I looked at my team. I looked at the PowerPoint and I thought, this is a waste of time. So I literally grabbed a chair and I drug it across the room and sat down at the table with the group of executives from this, this uh, insurance company. And I said, I am not going to try to sell you this software package today. Here's what I'm going to do. I've spent the last 15 years selling your product out in the field before I was acquired. I know what your product does. I know the problems with your system. I want to talk to you about what you think is wrong with your product and what you think is wrong with your system and what you think is wrong with your process. And let's see if we can work together to fix that. And they That's were like, great. oh, okay. And I said, here's what I experienced in the field. 
with your product and service. I had this problem, this problem, this problem. And they were like, yeah, we get that a lot. I said, well, let me show you something. And I've turned around and here's what we do to fix that. Now let's talk about this problem. In other words, I sat down and connected with my audience. Yeah, right. That's and great. And I talked to them about real world experience working with them and their company and the problems that their customers are having out there, not being able to utilize it efficiently. And by just having a conversation with them, within 20 minutes, they opened up and they were telling me everything wrong with their company. And I was just sitting there going, well, here's how I fix it. Here's how I fix it. Here's how I fixed it. And we did a $6 million deal that day. That's great. It's that's not I just about wanna, regurgitating facts. You know, and, and give me some applause for that because that's classic. It's not about regurgitating facts. Yeah. It's about connecting with your audience. Remember, we started this with, I don't care what company you work for, you're still dealing with people. Don't ever forget that. And they so got up you, with the same problems. Their wife argued with them. Their Cheerios were, were soggy. Their kids were screaming. They're just people. Right. So what, what are the things that you think get in our way of being able to do this effectively? Probably you've never had really good sales training. That would be mm-hmm. one. Your sales manager, by the way, your sales manager is probably not helping you, probably just counting your sales and yelling at you when you don't do things right. By the way, if you're a sales manager, your only job in this organization is to make your people better. If you're not making them better, I don't know what you're doing. That's right. Okay. So you need training as much or more than your sales team so that you can help them on a day-to-day basis. Most of the problems we have are literally just not understanding the psychology behind the sales process, behind Mm -hmm. what your customer is thinking. And if you can learn that, you'll be 10 times better than you are today. Yeah, that's great. So I'm going to put that link to your book on the show notes so that people can order that and really start learning from you, Brian. I think your concepts are really sound. And I think you've given me a lot to think about also. Let me kind of take it in this direction. If we were going to look at three action steps, if people could do step one, step two, step three, to really get better with the psychology of sales and negotiation, what would your recommendation be for people to really get started uh, making these changes? Number one, break down every single objection that your sales team is getting. Break it down to the top four. Figure out what those top four are. If you can verbalize, visualize those top four, mm-hmm. and then start to build a sales process around those top four mm-hmm. to overcome those objections That's right. before you get to the end of the sales process. That one is huge. That's Number fantastic. two, yeah. write a script for the beginning of your sales process to overcome that first objection. And then generalize questions to overcome those objections we talked about. That's number yeah. two. And number three, if you're not good at doing that or you want to help, find a coach, find somebody who's good at this that can help you do it. That's great. And again, I really liked the three whys and a when that you mentioned before. I like that structure to it. I'm sure you've got other examples of structure we can use in our sales process. And then tell us about some of the work that you do, the things that you want our listeners to know about you. And we'll put all of your contact information on the show notes. Yeah. So historically speaking, 30 years in business as me, just to give you some example of of what I've done, I've done seven startups. Two of those I sold to venture capital companies. One I sold to a private equity company. I've trained thousands of salespeople across the country, and we've done billions of dollars in product and sales services over the last 15 years. I say that to tell you that I've been there, done that. I know what I'm telling you, and I can make you better. That's great. BrianWillMedia.com is my website. My books are on there, my podcast, my coaching programs, both in individual and group coaching programs. If you're looking to some, for someone to help you do the things we're talking about, this is what I do. So come to the website, check it out, drop me a DM, set up a call. Well, I'm going to go there today, Brian, and learn more from you because what you've shared with me has helped me. I've learned some really insightful changes I think I'm going to make 
to my own process, and I hope our listeners do as well. Thanks for being on the show. I'd love to have you back on in the future. Great job today. Thank you, Brian. God, this was awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.